So uh, as a church, we have been focusing for a season on love. Love is the centerpiece of Christian faith. It's the, the, the very thing which we um, look to the cross and see in it. We see selfless, sacrificial love in the cross, uh, which is the major symbol and uh, a reminder that Jesus came to this earth with a perfect love. And it's to him that we look for our understanding of love. So we've been focusing on that and we've been kind of going back and forth if you've been paying attention. Some, some of the uh, sermons have been a little more Bible study oriented in that, you know, that we've been focusing on scriptures and diving into love in the Bible. And then other series uh, of sermons have been a little more practical. How does this love matter in everyday life? So we did a series on relationships, and then just recently we've done a series on baptism, which is the dunking uh, underwater to join the Christian family, but it's also the long, lifelong journey of God shaping us into people who can love. And as we've talked about baptism and uh, dunking underwater and its larger metaphor, um, we... We talked about three or four really important practices that help us tend to God's love for us and, and his work in our life of shaping love. And we've talked about gratitude, forgiveness, and remorse, or another word for remorse is repentance. And those are the kinds of things we can actively be doing in our life on a regular basis, in our relationships, in our situations, to really uh, make the most out of God's work of shaping love in us. And journaling is so important. And so uh, we talked about, about that. If you missed any of those sermons, they're on the, the webpage on uh, grassroots.church. You can uh, catch up there. But I'll catch you up today. Don't worry if you've missed them. Um, and as we're jumping into this new series on parenting, uh, we're looking specifically how these practices matter in our parenting relationships. Now, right off the bat, I have to define for you parenting relationships because this isn't just a sermon series on uh, raising children. It's different than that. Uh, as you'll see today, the actual sermon is on dealing with the effects of being parented by someone. And so uh, parenting relationships, this is what I mean. Being parented, children that are in our lives, whether they're biological, fostered, or adopted, other kids in our lives like nieces and nephews and nieces and nephews in the faith, which that's what you have a lot of them here at Grassroots if you haven't noticed, um, or future kids in our lives. There are some of you that don't have kids in your life yet in this way, but you will. And so uh, we're talking about parenting relationships. Now, there's not a lot about parenting and parenting relationships in the Bible. Uh, there's really not a lot of explicit New Testament teachings like there are for other things. Uh, Paul, in the book, uh, letters to the Ephesians, to Timothy, and Titus, gets into this explicitly, but there's not a ton of material to go off of. And um, when, we, when we run up against this in the Bible, one of the things we realize is that the New Testament Christians, they were thinking through every aspect of their life through the cross. They were asking uh, how the cross matters in every part of their life. And so there's not a lot about this, but that doesn't mean that our faith says little about parenting. Actually, there's so much that we can get into when we think about our parenting relationships through the filter of sacrificial love. 
Uh, and so what do I take from this? The fact that there's not a lot, it means that um, we have 27 books, 27 books in the New Testament, and they're not meant to be an exhaustive list of everything which is Christian. These are letters and biographies written in a specific time and on a specific place. So the early Christians, and then if you read beyond the Bible into the first couple hundred years of Christianity, they actually have a lot to say on parenting. But you realize what they were doing is they were rethinking their life through the cross. And we don't have a ton of material left for us in the scriptures, but that's not to say it wasn't there. And we have a lot of work to do ourselves to figure that out. Um, and you can, you can hear this phrase coming up in the New Testament a lot. Think just like Jesus. Take on the mind of Christ. It means in every part of our life, figure out what the cross means. Uh, and so I think, what does this mean for us? It means that each one of us should do our best to think about these relationships through the image of the cross. Uh, but it also means that, um, that we are all doing our best <laughs> with what we've, the cards we've been given. Uh, ma many of us um, have lots of complications in this area. And it means that we, we do our best, but it also means that it's really easy to, in, in this particular topic to slip into two kinds of ways of being. It's really interested to slip into the know-it-all parent. And if you know anyone in your life who's a know-it-all parent, they know exactly what they're doing. The latest method they have is the, is the one that's going to solve all parenting issues. And they be, they're an expert, and they're very happy to talk to you about that. I don't know if you know any of those people in, in your life. You have the know-it-all parent, but you also have the parent who, who walks around with the sense of um, it's, it's worse for me than it is for you in these parenting relationships. And it's difficult because for some people, it really is worse. It really is harder. They actually have been dealt a harder hand. Uh, but what I'm inviting us today to think about when we enter into this topic is to think about being as graceful with one another as possible. Like, let's not be the know-it-all parent. Let's not be the, um, the it's my, my problems are worse than yours parent. Let's be a community of people who trust that everyone is doing the best with what they've got. And, um, and let's honor one another in it. And so as we jump into this, um, part of what I'm trying to say at the very beginning here is I'm not going to be preaching on the next, the top five things that are the latest trends in parenting, as if it's, this is going to be a, here's how to parent, or here, here's how to deal with your parenting relationships. I'm not going to do that today. Um, we have some hard work of parenting to do, like passing on the treasures that have been given to us, or stopping generational sin in its tracks, um, or... We have, we have to sometimes pause and take stock. This is all hard parenting work, but I'm not really going to talk about that kind of stuff in this, in this series. I'm going to talk more about patterns of Christian love that matter in these relationships. So not so much about techniques, but patterns. Um, and uh, when I think about the practical patterns of love, what we're doing is we're asking ourselves, if, if you remember from the last sermon series that our relationships, our closest relationships and our situations are the very things that God uses to shape us and to mold us. It's like a baptism. So I'm inviting us to think about parenting relationships as a baptism. Baptism by fire, perhaps. Um, 
So as we do so, as we, of course, have to tend to our families, as we, uh, of course, have to figure out how to create peace and love, and of course, we're going to experience peace and love to some degree in our closest relationships if they're healthy. Um, uh, but there's also a lot of suffering, and there's a lot of trials. And sometimes, even if we do our best in our parenting relationships, it can all devolve into one giant dumpster fire, can it? <laughs> it can just sometimes just get out of hand. And so I'm asking us to think less about managing those situations and really learning to think about the trials and the sufferings and the parenting dumpster fires as amazing potential places for God to do his work in shaping love in us. Uh, so we're going to delve into what the early Christians have to say about parenting filtered through the cross. Uh, so it really comes down to three different kinds of sermons. So this week we're going to talk about learning to honor our parents. Uh, next week we're going to talk about managing our homes with good character. And then finally giving children time, touch, and encouragement, even in the worst of times. I think these are the topics that uh, end up becoming really interesting when we filter parenting relationships through the cross. So let's jump in here today. I've said a lot to get us warmed up and introduced. Let's uh, start with uh, some scripture, honoring our parents. So 1 Timothy 5.1 is where we're going to enter into this conversation. Uh, and Timothy is uh, a, a disciple of the apostle Paul. He was oftentimes, Paul oftentimes talked about Timothy as a son in the faith someone who Paul uh, was um, very close with and was passing on his, his wisdom to. So here's what Paul says to Timothy in his letter, his first letter to Timothy. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute Purity. Now, this is like an introduction of sorts. This paragraph is an introduction to a long little section in this letter on what to do with caring for widows in the Christian community, how we go about caring for those who are widowed. And um, you can see that um, here he's going to begin this whole section about caring for widows with make sure that you're honoring older people, <laughs> make sure that you're honoring those or your elders. Uh, and, and exhort is a word which means not just uh, encouragement and, um, and uh, inspiration, but it means challenge. And what happens here is if you read the letters, you realize that Paul had sent Timothy to the church in Ephesus that was already there, which had kind of gone off of track. They, they, they got off their tracks. They were um, need of correction and rebuke and encouragement. And so Paul says, Timothy, you're young, but I'm going to put you in the hot mess of the Ephesian church, and you are going to do some correcting. And he says in this particular instance, when you have to correct someone who's older than you, don't be sharp. Don't act as if you're a know-it-all. Don't act as if you have lived longer than them. And don't do it in a divisive way with arrogance, but correct them with uh, patience as if he were your father, um, which is interesting. Uh, 
what, how do we treat fathers and mothers? And, and this all comes back to, um, it's going to come back to the Ten Commandments. If you remember, number five, honor your father and mother. But as I was thinking about all of this, uh, how we treat elders, I was thinking about uh, how complicated it, this gets when you think of your, the person who parented you as that elder, which you're supposed to hold in higher esteem. Uh, my, my dad was a good dad. He, there's lots of ways in which he provided for me and cared for me, and um, I've got lots of good memories with him. But I have some distinct memories which I wish would go away, and they're small things, little things said offhandedly that I still remember as a 38-year-old. Uh, little experiences that I had where I wanted to, um, wanted to get involved with something or do an activity, and he didn't have time for it. And, um, and I remember in my young, kind of early 20s, mid-20s, I really, really struggled with this. I struggled with the feeling that there was something missing, that, that, that he should have been something more for me. And um, I remember we were on, on, on a trip once together, just he and I, and um, I came to this profound realization that the things that he wasn't able to give me, God could give me. And that God, that, that my father did not owe me a father in those ways anymore. And when I realized that, and when I was able to let go of the things I was holding on to, a profound freedom came across my life. And a, and a new openness in my relationship with my father opened because I was unable to honor him because of the things I felt I was missing. And so as we open this up to the conversation of honoring our parents, we remember this goes all the way back to one of some of the first commandments in the Bible. Exodus 20:12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land your Lord, the Lord your God has given to you. And as we read this, we might think of those parents, parents who used this verse like this. I brought you into this world. I can take you out of it. Anyone ever been told that? <laughs> that this is not what this Bible verse is talking about. Um, honor them so they don't kill you. That's not what this means. Um, but honor them so that you may live long in the land. And as we, we delve into this, we remember that this is the fifth commandment. And it's the first commandment that comes after uh, all four, which are how to honor God. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't worship idols. Um, and we get to number five, and it's the first one that matters in terms of our human relationships. And then it's don't steal, don't murder, and so forth. You see how those are human. This is the first commandment in the, in the, the Ten Commandments. In God's mind, this is his mind of how human beings should live in community with one another. This is the first one about our, our relational lives. And so God really cares about humans learning to honor their father and their mother. Um, I love how one pastor frames this up for us as we, as we enter into it. It doesn't say love your mother and father. It doesn't say obey them, does it? That's not the word. It's not... Um, Trust, admire, or enjoy <laughs> your parents. That's not the commandment. We have to understand that when God is asking us to honor our parents, it's not that we love, trust, admire, enjoy them because they may be e evil. 
Some of you may have had truly evil parents. Some of you may have had untrustworthy parents or despicable parents or cruel parents. Uh, God is not asking us to, to love, trust, and admire. And here's part of the reason why. Um, because there's a little book called Running on Empty. It's about some of these patterns of parenting. Because some of us may have had one of or more of these parents, the narcissist parent who demands perfection from their children because they don't want to be embarrassed by them. Uh, the authoritarian parent who is really only after rules. They're just punitive. They're inflexible. Uh, all they really want is your respect, and they're not going to respect you back. Or permissive, the do-whatever-you-want parent, which if you have one of these parents, you realize that life becomes really hard really quick because they've given you no teaching and no parameters. Or the bereaved parent, um, the parent who is going through so much pain that they've just overlooked you. Or the addicted parent, uh, which version of the parent are you going to get on which day? That's the addicted parent. Or the depressed parent, they cannot offer you comfort or encouragement. Or the workaholic parent, because they're away all the time, you never got what you needed. Or the special needs parent, which made you grow up too quickly because um, the, the parent's attention was fully on a special needs child, and so you had to figure out your own way. Or the achievement parent, um, which is like the parent who really only wants you to get A pluses and achieve and achieve and achieve. Or, I like this last one, the sociopath parent. Some of you may have just had a plain sociopath. They purposely hurt you and act as if nothing is wrong. Okay? So uh, this is the reality of the life we live in. There's all sorts of experiences that we have with parents, and some of them are really, really painful. So how in the world um, are we supposed to honor our parents if any of these, which I guess I bet you every single one of us in this room could look at this list and find a little bit of our parents in, 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 in this. What are we supposed to do with that? Are we just supposed to stuff it down, pretend it doesn't exist? How are we to honor our parents? And the, and, and the point is that, you know, in other writings, Paul is going to say to children, children, obey your parents. But as adults, as grown-ups, the Bible teaches us that we leave our parents. We, we, we leave their influence. We leave them behind. And part of it is to heal up from the experiences that we had growing up. And um, some of us may need to be freed today to understand that they're not, the Bible doesn't ask you as adults to obey your parents. In fact, you may be freed up to have to displease your parents because they only ever wanted achievement out of you. And you're never gonna be able to honor them until you learn that you can displease them as adults. Now, if you're under 18 and living in your parents' house today, hear me well. I'm not saying you can't obey, or obey your parents, but sometimes it works in a different direction, right? You may obey your parents, but you may not honor them. You may think very difficult things about your parents. The scriptures are asking us to honor our parents, whether we're young or old, and if we're under the roof, hopefully our obedience flows out of our ability to honor our parents. So honor our father and mother is what the Bible is asking us. Um, and, and the important thing to understand here is that as adults in our relationships with our parents, we have to avoid two extremes. The first one is being cold. Honoring our parents. We can't be cold with those who raised us because it's just going to be a lot of pain. 
But on the other hand, we can't just be beholden to them either, as if we're supposed to do everything they want us to do because they're our parents. We have to break free. We have to break free from the traditions that are handed down to us. And um, I can hear you, some of you saying, okay, Keith, you're saying we have to honor our parents no matter what. No matter what hand that we were dealt, the Bible is telling us we have to honor them. And I'm saying, yes, we do. And our ability to honor our parents no matter what is actually a really rich, formative experience in our love. Because if you think about it, some of us, most of us, if we are to honor our parents, are going to have to engage in forgiveness. And we're going to have to engage in gratitude. And we're going to have to really journal about it. And those are the things which form love. So you can see that honoring parents no matter what is a really rich environment to grow up in our love. Uh, and I can hear some of you saying, um, Keith, but let me tell you a story. Let me tell you some stuff that happened to me in my parenting relationship. And you know what? Like, I've heard some of those stories, and some of them are not pretty. Um, and if you've had decent parents like mine, um, it's easier to be able to enter into a place where you recognize some of the good stuff they gave you, you recognize some of the stuff that wasn't so good, you can take a step back and say, you know what, they did their best, but they, they were far from perfect, and I can be free from that. But others of you have real challenges here. Like, you've got some really, really difficult scenarios to work through. And I want to honor that today. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm not trying to tell you to just sort of suck it up and get over it. And as you listen to this today, some of you may be feeling this kind of message in a deep, hurting spot. And I guess all I'm saying to you is that's okay. Um, and um, honoring that place and especially praying for you as we continue entering into these topics. Um, but here at Grassroots, one of the things we wanted to do is talk about real stuff. Because if our faith doesn't touch these things, it doesn't really matter. And so in some ways, we enter into this kind of conversation, and it's not totally a safe space, is it, uh, as, as we open up these topics. Um, but we do want to take our faith seriously and recognize that it matters and it touches even these areas of our life. And so um, after the service, if you need someone to pray for you, um, seek someone out. I'm, I'm always up here. Uh, some folks need prayer, or sometimes during a message, you just got to get up and refill your coffee and take a break. Whatever you need to do as we enter into this stuff is okay. Um, but in asking, in the Bible asking us to honor our parents no matter what, as a way in which God shapes our love, uh, it's, not, it's not easy. It's difficult. This is some, some of the most difficult stuff that we can get into. Uh, but what the Bible is saying is that in as much as it's in your power, do everything as an adult to show your parents dignity and respect and to care for them. Uh, Ephesians, I told you there's an Ephesians verse. I'm going to just do some more Bible teaching here to unpack this a little bit before I get into some practical stuff. Ephesians 5.1. Um, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
This is how Paul is going to frame up this whole chapter of Ephesians. And we remember, if you remember Ephesians 5, uh, this is where Paul's going to get into teaching on children and parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. You see, this is children, not adults. This word is for little people. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother is the commandment, which is the first commandment with a promise, Paul is saying, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So honoring our father and mother is really important, and it has something to do with things going well for us and able our ability to enjoy life um, going forward. Now, the first thing that we think about, um, uh, I guess I'll put it this way too. Paul goes on to say, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And so um, some of us may be exasperated. <laughs> some of us uh, may not have got this teaching. And as we do this, as we unpack this, uh, you may experience some anger. Um, so as we enter into it, there's three really big areas I want to talk about. Forgiveness is the first. Um, we have to be able, in honoring our parents, to forgive them. Um, we have to come to know what it is that was good about our, par our parents and what it is that wasn't so good. Uh, we have to come to terms with that. And journaling is going to be really important here. If you don't journal, uh, journal this. Sit down, take some time, and actually ponder. What is it that was gold? What is it that was treasure? And what is it that was just garbage? Because it's, like, it's true for all of us. We have both of those. We're mixed. And we have to come to a place where we understand that our parents may have been so messed up that we can't fix them. We can't fix what happened, and we can't take the responsibility on us to fix it because it was, it was like a big challenge to us. Um, you have to locate the grudge. What's the grudge with your parents? If I, if I just gave us a, like 10 seconds of silence, I won't do that to you. But if I just gave us 10 seconds, could you in 10 seconds come up with the grudge you hold against your parents? I'm sure it's easy for you. <laughs> it's easy for all of us. Uh, we have to locate that. and We have to work on that. Because if we don't, if we let that fester, if we let that just become part of our relational structure, we're just going to become like them in those ways. We're just, you know, we think that, we, think that we, we, we are so different than our parents. By a show of hands, how many people realize they're more like their parents than they want to admit? <laughs> okay? It just happens. And if we don't, if we don't do some work on this front, um, we just become them. So we have to find the grudge, and we have to learn to let it go. We have to say, they did the best they could, um, and even, even if it was a really abusive, terrible kind of experience for you, we have to come to recognize that and to give it over to God. Otherwise, it will eat us away. We'll, we'll be under the, 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 the influence of our parents uh, in ways that we don't need it. And so as we do this, as we find the grudge, as we come to know what it is that was good and was bad, we do the hard work in our life of learning to let go and to learning to embrace what was good. And the only way, the only way it's possible to do this work 
The only way is if you have a heavenly father who is giving you what you didn't get from your parents. I went through a sermon series a little while back on letting God touch us. Um, Once we find those great holes, those great deficits of what our parents didn't give to us, we truly and literally bring those to the Lord and say, Father, would you fill me up in the places that are empty? Would you be the one with your perfect love? I mean, our, our family relationships at home, they're, what, they're supposed to be relationships of unconditional love. They're supposed to be relationships where we find a, like that we're appreciated and loved and enjoyed. And no matter what we can do, our, we're not going to embarrass our parents. Like that's what it's supposed to be, but very few people end up in that kind of scenario. And so we have to have the heavenly father touching us in those areas. And I don't know how to explain it to you other than take the time to sit down, become aware of the deficits and literally ask God to fulfill them. And sometimes we feel it, other times we don't, but he will, he will meet you and he will show you his unconditional love. He's got the love of a father and the love of a mother, and he can take the place and fill up what wasn't provided for you by your parents. And if you don't do that, it's going to be impossible to say, earthly father, you don't owe me a father anymore in those ways. Earthly mother, you don't owe me an earthly mother anymore in those ways. And that, my friends, is if you're able to digest that and to take that deeply, that's where and when the freedom comes. You don't owe me a father or mother anymore. And then, once we're in that place, we can think of honoring them. Not coming under the influence of their their power again, not... Even if they're no longer living, we hear their voices. We, we are in the uh, formative gaze of our parents our whole life. Uh, but until we can release that, that need to have them owe us a parent anymore, we won't be free to honor them. And so as we do, as we're free like that, uh, we can then begin showing gratitude. And gratitude is a huge piece of the puzzle for honoring our parents. Um, once we explore the ways in which we're the same and different, we can be thankful. And if, it's, you, you can, if you're the person that's saying, Keith, I have nothing to be grateful for, zero, there's one thing, you're alive. You came into this world because of that human being. And if that's the only thing that you can be grateful for from that relationship, hold on to that. That, let that be your thing that you come back to over and over again. I'm thankful that I'm alive. But most of us have a lot to be grateful for, even in the mix of our parents' failures. And so I would invite us to get to know um, what it is that we should be grateful for. And uh, uh, Paul in First Timothy goes on to talk about widows, like I mentioned. He said, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. See how important it is to God that we honor parents? And in this instance, Paul is saying, okay, if there are widows among you and they have no family, church, you better be taking care of them. You better be going out of your way 
to uh, find ways to care for widows. But if the widow has children left, let that person put their religion into practice and care for them. And this is simply about caring for, for elderly uh, widows. Uh, financially, uh, in, um, in emotional support and encouragement. Like these are ways in which we can honor our parents. And many of you, I, I, I'm not close yet. Well, maybe I'm closer than I realize, but I'm not close yet to having an ailing elderly parent to take care of. I've watched many of you walk the, that road before. And I watched my parents walk that road, and it's not easy. It's not easy to care for a parent, especially if they weren't a good parent. But God is saying, you can show Christ-like love in that way to your parents. And let me tell you, not only will they receive the love of God in you, but the love of God will be shaped so powerfully, powerfully in you as you go about your resilience in caring for your parents. And I know some of you have done that really beautifully. It's been, uh, it's been really awesome to watch you do that. But not easy, I know, not easy. Uh, it's like, it's similar to something Jesus said uh, once, uh, just kind of going back a little bit into the, to the Gospels. Jesus talked about Pharisees who, because they had given their tithe to the church, they thought they were off the hook for caring for their ailing parents. Thought, well, I give to the church, so I, I don't need to care for my parents anymore financially. And Jesus is saying, like, you're despising God when you do that. That's the point of his parable. So it, it really matters to God that we can honor parents. Now, I just want to give us some practical ways to do this before we close. Um, ways to honor parents, not obey, not admire, not love, honor. Figure out what makes them feel honored. <laughs> Have you asked uh, your, as an adult, your parent recently, what, how do you feel most honored? Could be a great question to start with. They may say, I love it when you just take your day out of your, your week to come see me. I love it when you remember my birthday. <laughs> I don't know. What is it that makes your parent feel most honored? And discover that. Go about this afternoon, writing an email if you have to, or nudging them or whatever. Give them a phone call. Hey, I'm just curious about what makes you feel most honored. You know how shocked they might be to receive that phone call? Um, what is it that makes you feel most honored? We, any one of us would love to have that question asked to us. And we can ask that to our uh, parents. Uh, remember them. Don't forget them. Don't just live your life as if they don't exist. That's not honoring uh, but you can find ways to acknowledge them and remember them. Here's a really, really good one, and um, it's really difficult sometimes. Our parents love to know that they've done something good in us. <laughs> uh, find ways that you are like your parents in a good way and tell them. Let them know that. Here's how I see you in me. It's a really, I guarantee your parent will feel honored. Now, that may be really hard for some of you, but again, this is the formation of love. And it's not easy. Some of the stuff isn't easy. And then forgive them. Walk the path of forgiveness. Um, but here, here's one final word for those of you who've lost your parents. You've lost all of your parents. There's none left. You are the, the generation that's the oldest um, some of you have some real grief work to do because of that. You've, you've lost someone, and you can't really do this work anymore. Um, and 
my invitation to you is to do the grief work. Journaling is great. Go see a therapist. Come see your pastor. Talk through the ways in which you're grieved that your parents are no longer around to make things right or to honor. Um, But after you do that, after you've worked out, recognize two things. One, there are plenty of elderly people still around that may not have children left. If you are someone who doesn't have an elderly parent to care for, and you find someone who, um, sorry, I'm saying that wrong. Um, if you are in, in someone who's lost all of your parents, and you can find someone, an elderly person that have no parents to care for them, become like a little family. Like honor the person around you that has no one to honor them. Like go out of your way to find them. I'm sure that um, the, the, the care homes around the city would love to have a visit uh, we we uh, spent a uh, an evening over at one of the care homes doing singing Christmas carols this year, and I was astounded by the number of people who told me. I said, oh, "What are you going to do for Christmas?" It was the day before Christmas. Well, you know, I I um, I would like to go to a Christmas service at my church, but I can't drive. I no longer have my license, and my kids live out of town, or they don't talk to me. Like, could you go discover a few folks in this scenario? and become their children for them in that way. Not, not, not to, to take care of them in that way, but to show them honor. To, some of you, may, this may be a calling for you um, that, that, that God is putting on your heart. Uh, but also recognize too that you are now the generation of elders who are worthy of respect. And um, if you are someone whose children... Um, doesn't, doesn't give you honor, and that's something that you, you lack as well. Again, um, this is what our church family is for, and this is what, uh, what God can do in our life. He can fulfill these places in us. Uh, the general point of this all is that in our parenting relationships, some of these hard decisions to continue to honor our parents are the exact thing God is going to use to grow us up into people who can love like Jesus. And I encourage you, I invite you to find ways in the parenting relationship of being parented to do the hard work. It's there right in front of us. It's available to us. And if only we would lean in and do the work, we would find ourselves growing, I believe, very significantly in the selfless love of Jesus. Um, so as we enter into this further, you can see that I'm not going to continue to try to give you the, you know, this is practical. I'm trying to get practical with this stuff, not just theoretical love stuff, but where does it actually, the, the rubber of the selfless love of Jesus meet the road? And so next week, in the next two weeks, we are going to talk about how we engage with the, the little children that God has given us uh, in, in our care. How do we go about um, showing them encouragement and attention, uh, as well as um, creating spaces that are filled with good character, the, the love of Jesus, uh, determines the whole character and culture of the home. And um, it'd be some good stuff. I'm, I'm really excited to, to preach on this, and I hope that, that uh, this continues to challenge you to see that the love of Jesus isn't an abstract thing, but it's something that we can encounter and live out in our everyday life, as hard as it is sometimes. So I'm not sure where you all are all with this. I know that this stirs up a bunch of stuff in different people, but I also know that you may be in, in encouraged, you may be challenged this morning, you may have lots of emotions to deal with, and that's okay. Wherever you're at today, 
I would invite you to continue to bring yourself to the Lord. We have a couple songs left to respond to God's word. Uh, We take a piece of bread and we dip it in the juice every week as a reminder. The way of Jesus is like a broken body and bloodshed. And we take it inside of us and we uh, ask God not only to care for us and to minister us and to touch us, but also to challenge us and to help us uh, embrace his shaping, loving hand. And so uh, whatever it is today, friends, I invite you forward. The table is set and everyone is welcome.